Just recently, I was talking to a few families, and in the midst of the families, there was one who was starting high school. So one of the adults said to the high schooler, okay, if you had to pick anything right now to study, if you had to pick one thing right now to do for the rest of your life, if you had to pick one thing to be, what would it be? And the ninth grader, without skipping a beat, said, duh, a professional video gamer. If you want to spend the rest of your life playing video games, raise your hand. Anybody that just wants to go to school and play video games forever? Yes, doesn't that sound amazing? You can do that eventually. Go to STEM. It'll work out. It'll be great. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just pick a hobby and do that hobby all day at school? Like, what if you just like to color and you just wanted to color all day? Or if you just like to read and you want to read all day or make things with your hands, wouldn't it just be wonderful if you could just do one thing that you love all day, every day? Adults, you know that would have been wonderful. All right, I have a question. Adults, children alike, anyone can answer this question. If you had to pick the one thing to do for the rest of your life, the one thing to study, the one thing to be, what would it be? A golfer. Yes, a very professional golfer with a big chick. Yes. What, an artist? Nice. Play video games. An athlete. A history teacher, love that. A fireman, we have one of those somewhere around here. I asked the band what they wanted to be when they grew up. Arturo, where's Arturo? He's somewhere. What do you think Arturo wanted to be when he grew up? Anybody? A NASCAR driver, that's right. Where's Tyler? Where's Tyler? What do you think Tyler wanted to be when he grew up? A cowboy. Where is Steven, one of our newest members of our band team? Steven is around here somewhere. There he is. What do you think he wanted to be? Tell him, Steven. I wanted to be a space cowboy. A space cowboy. Keaton. What do you think Keaton wanted to be when he grew up? Anybody? Tell him. I wanted to be in the NBA. In the NBA. All right. What do you think I wanted to be? Any question? Any thought? What? A princess. Yes. <laughs> yes, I love it. What else do you think I wanted to be? A ballerina. A teacher. A Methodist preacher. <laughs> I wanted to be a country music star. So when it came time for me to go to graduate school and everybody's like, Marion, where are you gonna go to graduate school? I was like, duh, I'm going to Nashville so I can be discovered. I can see my name in lights. Yes, I'll give you tickets. I'll always remember where I came from. Becoming a country music star did not go well for me, but something else happened. And that's biblical, isn't it? 
Abraham and Sarah, they didn't think they would be parents, but something else happened instead, like birthing three faith nations. A middle schooler named David, he thought he'd be a shepherd for his whole life, but something else happened instead, like becoming a king. The women went to the tomb and thought they would find Jesus, but something else happened instead. A man named Saul was a tax collector, but something else happened instead. He had a name change and became a church planter. The disciples, they thought they were fishermen, but something else happened instead. And Peter, Kepha, the rock of the church, the cornerstone of the church, he thought that he could walk on water, but something else happened instead. And that's our story that we're going to read together this morning from Matthew. You can read along the slides with me, or you can read it on, on your phone or even in a Bible if you brought one. Matthew 14. I'm reading verses 22 through 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is a great story to end our summer, end our chapel of the seas, because we are no longer cruising through the summer. It's time to get off the boat. And so the story has people getting off the boat and then someone walking toward it. There were three ministers, and these three ministers decided to all go fish together. If you've heard this one, do not stop me. These three ministers decided they wanted to go fishing together, so they all get in the boat, and they leave the shore, and they go into the middle of the water, into the middle of the lake, and one of the ministers says, oh, no, I forgot my lucky hat. 
And so the minister gets out of the boat and he walks on the water back to the house, gets his lucky hat, comes back to the boat, gets in the boat. The second minister said, oh no, I forgot my tackle box. So he gets out of the boat and he walks on water and he goes back to the house and he gets his tackle box and he comes back walking on the water into the boat. And the third minister is astonished. And he's like, that's amazing. And he said, I want to walk on water too. So the third minister, he gets out of the boat and immediately sinks. And they pull him up. He gets back in the boat and he says, I don't understand. I have more faith than both of y'all put together. And he says, in fact, I'm a better preacher than both of y'all put together. I should be able to walk on the water. So he tries again. He gets out of the boat and he sinks. They pull him back up. They get him in the boat. And he says, I don't understand. I have more faith than you. I'm a better preacher than you. I should be able to walk on water. And he gets out a third time into the boat, out of the boat, into the water, and he sinks. And the preacher, they look at each other and says, we should probably tell him where the rocks are before he really gets hurt. <laughs> when we start to think that we can go out on it alone, with the wrong intentions, that's when we start to sink. Peter forgot why he was on the water. Peter forgot who asked him to go. Peter forgot who was in control, and he began to sink. And as soon as he begins to sink, he calls out, Lord, save me. And surely we have all done the same. We call out, Lord, save me from middle school. Save me from homework. Save me from my job. Save me from this conversation I don't want to have. Save me from this humiliation. Save me from what is about to come. Save me from you fill in the blank. Lord, save me. And that word save is so interesting to me. A lot of people in the Christian faith, they use that word a lot. And a lot of people, they can point to one day or one moment or one event when they are saved. And those are good. But for me personally, I'm more of a Wesleyan. I'm more of the type where I feel like it's a journey. It's a way of salvation because I'm going to need a little bit of saving every single day. I've had some wonderful formative moments, but I'm going to need more every day because every day I find that there is something to overcome. There is something or someone that will cause me to sink. There is something or someone that will make me doubt. There is someone or something that will make me be afraid. And fear is normal. And fear too is all over scripture. Adam and Eve, they were frightened that they were going to get caught with the fruit. The shepherds, the angels appeared. They were frightened. Hannah, Ruth, they were all frightened. Peter was frightened. If you are the creative type and you want to spend your life coloring and designing, this might be a fun 
task, a fun thing to do. Think about the images of fear that are in this story. If we were even to like design our own emoji, what would it look like? What color would the face be? Because some people might be a little seasick in this. It'd be a lot of fun to think about all the emojis we could make from the story. If you're into content, if you're a content person, what kind of TikTok would this be? What kind of snap would this be? If you were to post this story and what's happening in the middle, what would it look like? And to do that, you would need to know who would be in it. How many characters are in this story? How many disciples are in the boat? How big is the boat? We don't know. Scripturally speaking, there are only three characters. We have Jesus. Jesus is speaking and acting. We have Peter. Peter is speaking and acting. And then we have the disciples who technically are one. They're speaking and acting as one. And so we have a story that begins with the disciples who are afraid because Jesus is off the boat. And we end with a story where the disciples are worshipful because Jesus is in the boat. But it's what happens in the middle that's important. The actions of one. When one gets off the boat, the story changes. The faith of one, the actions of one, is what makes the whole boat turn around. Peter was in the right place. It's just something else happened. There I was in Nashville. I was going to all my classes. I went to work every day at the food pantry that I loved. And I decided that I was going to help the music industry along because they hadn't quite found me. So I learned how to play the guitar. And then my friend and I, we started to write some songs. They're amazing. We started to be the singer-songwriter duo. And we did what everybody does. We went downtown Nashville, and we found a corner. And that's where we set up. We brought our guitars. We got our guitar cases out. We opened the guitar. We threw some of our dollars in there like everybody else had done. And we started to play our amazing music. And guess what? We did not make a dime. (laughs) It was bad. But no one even stopped. Except for a few people. The people that stopped actually were men that I knew who lived on the streets in downtown. They recognized me from the food pantry and said, would you please stop singing and come talk to us? I was in the right place. I got a great email this week. It was from Lauren. Lauren is the 
inventor, the founder, the lead gardener, the lead volunteer coordinator of our giving garden in the back corner by the parking lot. And she told me that our garden didn't do so well this spring. We were having an issue with animals. Our animals were digging in the ground and eating the plants, and we couldn't do anything realistically about it. And so in April, they planted our garden. Two weeks later, it was completely gone. So they replanted the garden. Two weeks later, it was completely gone. So Lauren said it was the definition of insanity. What do you do next? And she said she's looking around at the garden, and she sees some little green seedlings. This is nothing new. I don't know if you know this, but we use compost in our garden. Our church members, members in the community, they bring kitchen waste for our garden. So we're used to having random little green seedlings, and the volunteers are used to just picking them out. But this particular day, Lauren said, we're having too many issues in the garden to take out anything that is growing. It turns out one of you, somebody, brought us a cantaloupe seed. To date, our garden has harvested 80 pounds of melons. We thought we planted 32 jalapeno pepper plants, but something else happened instead. That is the story of the New Testament. Where there is death, there is life. It is a story of something else happening. In a time when you think Jesus has sent you to the other side, Jesus is walking on water to get back to you. And when God's there, God says, it is I. And isn't that the image of comfort? No matter the doubt, no matter what has happened, in a world where people feel fractured, in a world where people feel separated, in a world where people are arguing and fighting, doesn't it feel good to know that it is God who says, it is I. I will pull you out of this from the depths of hell, says the psalmist, by hand. One of my biggest fears, biggest fears in Nashville was failure. I'd come all this way. I didn't want to fail. You can imagine what happened to me the day I got fired from my first job there. I was working at this beautiful place and they fired me. <laughs> and all right, so I asked, why am I getting fired? And they said, you know why you're getting fired. We've given you multiple warnings. And I said, no, seriously, tell me, why am I getting fired? And they said, well, bottom line, you talk too much. I know that's hard to believe. Can you imagine me talking too much? They said, you just talk too much, so you got to go. My job was to be the hostess 
of a beautiful chapel and a beautiful museum. These places were supposed to be quiet. They were contemplative. It was supposed to be a place of devotion. My job was to stand there and nod and to point you to the next room. I didn't do that very well. I was noticing all these symbols around me. I was noticing all this artwork. I was noticing things in the chapel and the stained glass, and I felt like people needed to know what I knew. I could help them with the contemplative moment of their life by just telling them my knowledge. Well, the day I got fired, I was walking out of this beautiful upper room chapel in Nashville, and as I am walking out, I'm crying. I can't believe I failed this early. And a woman is standing there, and she says to me, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. And I begin to tell her my story about my job. And without even realizing what's happening, she has taken me by the hand and she started to walk. So I'm walking with her and I'm talking and I'm telling her everything. And she stops. And she stops me in front of a beautiful church. It just so happened that just a few blocks down, there was this gorgeous United Methodist Church. And this woman next to me was the pastor. She was also the executive director of the food pantry where I would work the rest of my time there, which is the reason I knew the men downtown. And in the very early stages of my time in that city, I will never forget the moment she looked right at me and asked me a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Fired from the wrong job or living and breathing in the right one? It just takes one person of faith to turn the whole boat around. Amen. In case you've been wondering what's been happening here at our church for this summer, here's the answer. Take a look at this video.
I know that several of you have made time this summer here on campus. It was in a very eventful time. We had lots of things happening. The, our whole campus was incredibly crowded, especially now with our commons that is opening up today. So we're really excited about that. I'm going to invite Miss Sabrina to come join me. She is our director of children's ministries. And we want to take a moment to bless those who are going back to school. It is back to school, back to church. So if you brought your backpacks, go ahead. You can bring them on up. If you didn't bring your backpack and you still just want to come hang out with Miss Sabrina and me, come on. You can do that too. But just come on over and we are going to do a blessing of back to school and all these backpacks. Come on. Y'all come on right up here. You can sit right here in the middle. Yay. Yay. Oh, look at all these nice backpacks. They're very colorful. I love them. Yeah. That's okay. You don't have a backpack. All right. We will still bless all of it. Hello. What grade? Fourth. Man, who's going into kindergarten? Any kindergartners? No, no kindergarten. Okay, nice. We got some kindergartners. And do we have any seniors? Any seniors right here in the, or any of you graduating high school today or this year? You're freshmen. Nice. Okay. Do we have any college people? Anybody going to college? They're probably already gone wherever they are. Oh, nice. Yay. Where are we going to college? Tennessee. Nice. Congrats. Good luck. Do we have anybody had to do a mission field of any kind? Tennessee College, that's it right there. So <laughs> we are thrilled for all of you. If there's a teacher or a faculty member or someone who works on a school board level, anyone that helps make our education of our kids better, I want to just invite you to stand where you are so we can bless you as well. Thank you. And remain standing. You guys remain right here and we're going to have a prayer, okay? Gracious and holy Lord, here we are in front of you asking you for your assistance. We are so grateful of all that you have done. We are so grateful for the time that you've embraced us. We're so grateful for the time that you've reached out to us. We are so grateful for the ways that you constantly help us and save us again and again, day after day. And so we come to you now and say, take us into this new school year. May we approach it with open eyes and excited hearts. May we give our teachers the benefit of the doubt all the time. May we give our students extra patience and may we give our friends forgiveness. Lord, may we remember that as we pack backpacks and lunch bags and water bottles and snacks, it's all important. Down to the smallest detail, Lord, every piece that we do every day is a symbol of our love for you. And so bless these children, bless students and faculty everywhere, bless college students and professors. May their learning be important, but not overwhelming. May you start to foster in each one of us a call and a direction of what you need us to be to better your world. And Lord, may you remind teachers why they're there. Give them that energy and remind them of the call to help support another.
And so now from our laptops to our friendships, from hallways to software, infuse it all with your presence, Lord. And may no one fear whatever it is to come. And may we always be reminded we are one day closer to the next summer break. Amen.